0: So if we actually break the compactness of the experience down when we're moved by a beautiful piece of music, when we're out in nature, when we're looking at a piece of art, if we are, rather than scrutinizing it, just witness to it, being with it, it switches on a faculty of consciousness that does not involve our mind. The moment we analyze that piece of music and tell ourselves how beautiful it is, we invade the experience again with the mind and that deeper sense of connection is gone. So what is it about that experience that transports us into an altered state or a higher state of consciousness? it doesn't always happen. You can sit and listen to a piece of music you love or go out and walk through a forest that you are normally enchanted by and be so overwhelmed with your own inner story that you're not touched at all by it. It's only when that capacity to engage at a beyond conceptual level gets triggered that we are touched or moved in a way (coughs) that inspires us. And yet it still remains, doesn't it, this wanting to relate that back, to explain to ourselves why it was so important and to place that experience somewhere in our narrative. But the actual experience of being moved is working at a spontaneous level. Rising through awareness within the heart at a non conceptual level. So, we could say that anything that has the capacity to transport us out of ourself moves us to that point, and it's the being moved oh, that it just creates that, doesn't it? Before we define it, it's just oh, what is that feeling? Now, we may. label that as something sacred. But the mechanism itself is not what we're pointing at when we're talking about connecting to the sacred. That is simply the mechanism of being relieved to a point of being liberated of the weight of self within the experience, being transported beyond ourself. And every time the mind stops, we experience relief. Every time the mind stops, we experience peace. There is no vexation. We feel complete. Every time our mind stops, regardless of what we're doing in that moment, we experience relief which is why we we long for that experience that we call transcendent we don't necessarily understand why we get it when we sit and listen to music but the listening to music we engage in the experience directly it's not a cerebral process just listening so we can find these refuges in anything that triggers that state of consciousness within which the sense of me stops arising. can be whilst engaging in some kind of sport that takes all of your concentration to the point that you can't add anything more with your mind. You can just do it. So we've all probably got our personal pathways to what we would consider to be a transcendent or moving experience. That's important. Starting to understand the mechanism by which that happens to us is important. Because we might think that it's the music itself that is sacred, or that piece of art itself that is sacred. It's beautiful, but it's not what we're talking about here. It has the capacity to touch us. And so we might pay homage to it or revere it. But it's the the process that it triggers inside us that gets us closer to something which we might not yet fully understand. That is the real value of that experience. So, we need to break the experience down. What's happening to us moment to moment? So we can see how this thing that's happening, whether I'm struggling in a state of frustration, vexation, worry, need, lacking, agitation, confusion. Or whether I am utterly at peace within myself. Because we don't want to be suffering and we want to be free from suffering. And if we are in this situation where we have an idea that if I do that, hopefully I might have that experience I seek then, you know, we often find ourselves shooting at the target and missing. So there is an understanding which, when we come to it, shines a light so clearly upon what's happening to us that without doubt we can see what's the root of our suffering and what is our liberation from it. And then we can see that which liberates us from suffering. We can start to explore that process at work that isn't free of suffering. That isn't suffering, sorry. That is exalted. Now, it probably takes quite a long time to clearly land on that ground where we see what's at work. You know, which is why we apportion our hopes and dreams or pin our hopes and dreams on all kinds of varied things. And it's extremely personal. I was talking during our internal alchemy retreat about that stage of our spiritual path that is personal, and that stage of our spiritual path that is beyond that. Seeking personal meaning we can't deny is something that is important to us and will occupy us endlessly for lifetimes. Finding some kind of personal meaning for a while brings some kind of relief if we've been so desperately in search of it. But it doesn't last. Because the nature of this idea of self is to constantly reinvent itself. And what satisfies us one time may not satisfy us later. But along the way of touching what might be ultimately sacred in life, There are many things that we would feel to be sacred at a personal level and hold in a state of reverence, and quite rightly so. So how does this all go on? What's going on within us when we sometimes feel a state of despair and separation and sometimes feel a state of completion? What's happening? So when I ask you to sit and incline yourself to a state of natural rest, I'm asking you to sit without adding anything to your experience that might uplift or inspire you. And to not seek to take anything from your experience that satisfies you at a personal level or gives you some sense of personal meaning. We're simply at rest within what is in that moment. When we find ourselves entering that state of rest and we see how profoundly moving it is and we realize that it lifts us, that it's more moving than than when we are feeling an extraordinary sense of personal love. We start for the first time to get a glimpse that there is something innate within us rather than created that moves us in a way that nothing else is capable of moving us. Awareness does not appear within the mind. Your experience is not appearing within the mind. Your experience is appearing within the mirror of awareness, and you're adding your mind to it. Now that you know that's like a thunderbolt. It's a Vajra thunderbolt. It cuts through, it shatters our ordinary worldly perspective which would tell us that the mind is the orchestrator and the haver of the experience. The mind is not having the experience. The mind is a mechanism by which we add to the experience. It is generated by all kinds of physiological processes and bio you know, chemistry and your brain needs to function. but there is a much deeper more profound process at work than that, which maybe is hidden completely from us, or we hadn't spotted. So the pointing of it out, it's the turning the mind around. The mind's been at the forefront, grasping at its experiences, me and mine and you and what I think, and comparing everything to how I think it should be, adding all of my experiences into my personal narrative. (gasps) Goodness me, an exhausting process that we've been engaged in endlessly. Now we've turned the mind around, turned it on its head. Wait a minute. Pulled the rug from underneath its feet. Stop. It's nonsense. Your mind is merely a display that is arising within the mirror of awareness. The same way that my voice now is registering an awareness and now it's gone. So too, your mind arises and registers within awareness, and then it's gone. This is so fundamental that we have this experience, this breakthrough, because I've met people who have come to me for meditation instructions, 30 years of meditating, half their life meditating, diligent practitioners who would never spotted the ground and had been ardently working to untangle the knot from the perspective of the mind. And that introduction cuts through. Okay. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, we're not all in the same room. So, sharing these transmissions, it's not as easy as it is when we're all together. The ambience of the space that we're in isn't shared, is not one space, but behind the room that you're in and the room that I'm in. All of it is arising from the same basic ground. Where you are right now and your appearance within that. Where I am right now and my appearance within that. We are both spontaneously arising, all of us spontaneously arising within the same basic space. And that basic space and that awareness within which we're arising is not your awareness. It's not arising with you as the basic ground of you. It's a single, seamless field of awareness within which you are appearing now as you or what you perceive yourself to be. And I'm appearing now as me. So when we enter into awareness, we break the delusion of self and separation. And we are in the experience rather than looking in upon the experience. We are the experience. It is us. Everything It's one thing. Baffling to the mind. Probably write poetry about it. Oh, philosophy books. It's so clear. So clear to awareness. When we see it. Mm. And then... We just learn to practice stopping within it, staying there. And leave everything in its wonderful display as it is. To rise and pass around us, within us, through us, without conflict without grasping it or rejecting it.